Uh, you saw Nolan Smith kind of come on at different points this year and look better as an edge rusher than we've seen him in the past. But I, I think that Kirby Smart and Georgia are kind of, you know, acknowledging out loud a little bit uh, that, you know, a huge part of college football in today's era is being able to rush the passer. And you're playing explosive offenses that it's not abnormal these days to see a team pass 40 times in a game. And if you're Georgia and you're, you're getting leads on teams and you're, you're kind of playing like you do, a lot of teams are going to have a lot of pass attempts against you. And the, the best way to defend the pass is to get there before it ever is in the air. So I think interesting, you know, higher in that regard, um, National Signing Day was definitely a, a trip, right? Um, I, I felt like it was kind of quiet, and then Jimbo came out and ran his mouth. Um, I, I don't recall seeing, like, coach-on-coach crime like this in the league since, I don't know, maybe when Kiffin's first in at Tennessee when he's up there on signing day telling everyone Urban Meyer is cheating and talking smack on – Marlon Brown for going to Georgia and all that. I mean, I know that Freeze had his era, but and I, I could be misremembering, but I don't remember quite as much like pointed uh, criticism of of in in division coaches like this, uh, especially when it comes to like league rules in a long time. So I don't know. Uh, I mean, I we could diatribe on on Fisher for a while, and we can talk about that when we get in the Q and A if you guys have stuff to say, but. Uh, Man, like, I wouldn't have paid any attention to what a dude named Slice Bread said about your program if if you hadn't brought him up. And I mean, like, the number one rule of of doing anything illegal is to never acknowledge that you're doing anything illegal. And there's plenty of schools that have been dropping bags for years. I don't think that's a secret to anyone. But you don't see, you know, when they get accused of it on message boards or people are talking about it on Twitter. You don't see the coach get up there on signing day and try and defend themselves, and in turn, it doesn't become a story. So Jimbo Fisher, you know, I, I understand he may have felt the need to defend his class, but by defending his class, he kind of put himself into a, a, a spot of, I think everyone's going to look in this a lot further and, and question it further than they probably would have if he had just shut up and, done a press conference and talked about how excited they were for the class, given his coach's credit. And if someone asked about NIL, you just say, yeah, NIL is great. We're happy that our recruits are, are able to take advantage of it or that our players are able to take advantage of it. And, you know, I think some of the deals that some of our current guys have gotten uh, might've helped the appeal of our university to some of these up and coming college freshman and, and you leave it at that and, and you just shut up and walk away. So Jimbo Fisher needs to go to, you know, school for, for guys that, uh, learn how to do illegal stuff, I guess. But I, I, I definitely thought the, the little clip of his press conference was interesting where he's talking about, you know, kind of some of the, the things that other coaches in the league have done recruiting wise over the years and, and his ask, you know, telling the reporters to, to go look into that because if you start pointing to where the bodies are buried around the league, that's just, that's bad business for everybody. Uh, and I'm sure that, that Greg Sankey didn't love seeing that. So 
I think that it'll be interesting to see kind of, I'm sure it'll all be behind closed doors. Right. But I can guarantee you that's going to be handled over the coming months. Um, guys, uh, in terms of George's class and who got signed yesterday, Andrew Paul, definitely excited about his film is impressive. His senior tape is, is really, really good. Uh, I think that, that he's one to, to watch. I mean, George's running back room is in good hands with Milton and McIntosh and, uh, Branson Robinson, the number one running back in the class coming in. Like there's a lot of studs in this class, like in in that room, I mean, and, and there's another stud in the class with them, but I think that Georgia did a good job of finding a guy with, with value uh, at the kind of, yeah, I know that the NFL draft and college recruiting are vastly different, but at this point in the process of your Georgia, you've already brought in a lot of blue chip guys. And this kind of late signing period is about trying to identify some guys that maybe have fallen through the cracks a little bit from an evaluation standpoint, or maybe you look at their senior tape and they look like a very different player than than they did when you looked at their tape a year earlier and kind of turning that and, and trying to go and bring those guys on your campus and find value of those remaining scholarship slots is, is really the name of the game at this point. And I thought Georgia did that in a, in a pretty good way with, with Paul and Lightsley, the linebacker. Um, so if you're a UGA fan, your class was already in a really good place. There was already a lot to be happy about. Uh, but I think you got some guys that could contribute, uh, whether that, you know, I, I'll, I'll be shocked if any of them are major players for Georgia. Any of these guys that signed late in the period are major, major players for Georgia. Um, if I had to pick one that I think might be, it would be Darius Smith. Uh, guy is built like a, a big, long pass rusher. You know, I mean, he's, he's – He's huge. He's got length. He can keep hands off of him. Uh, he can go around the outside. Uh, he, he's built like your prototypical, you know, edge rushing monster that you see at the next level. So I think some potential maybe that that he's able to, to work his way into some third down packages or something like that. But I don't expect any, you know, any of these guys to be every down players right off the bat, nor, nor should we. But I, I think – you know, going back to the the Uzo Dribe hire, I, I think that you look at the class that brought that Georgia's brought in, the edge looks very different than it did in past years. You know, Georgia's recruited other than Adam Anderson, who's that lengthy long pass rusher with the prototypical pass rush kind of frame. You've had a lot of Nolan Smiths. You've had a lot of uh, I mean Malik Herring's more of like a heavy end, but I mean, Aziz, for all of his talents, the reason that you didn't see him be a really high draft pick was because he's 6'3 instead of 6'5, you know, or 6'2, I think. Um, So I think that if you're Georgia, you have got all these guys coming on campus whose body types fit that mold, and now you're bringing in a guy to, to really evaluate them, or not evaluate them, I should say, but... I guess evaluate the skills they have and, and try and add on moves and, and turn them into the full package and build you an arsenal of guys that can get to the quarterback over and over and over. So definitely uh, interested to see how this hire kind of pans out. Let's do some questions. We can talk about anything you guys want. We can talk about guys that signed yesterday. We can talk about guys that signed – 
back in uh, December. We can talk about any 2022 stuff. Uh, I see Scott has already uh, put in a request to speak, so going to add you in right now. Uh, I see Josh in here, too. Try and get you on as a speaker as well. And, uh, yeah, Scott, you were you were on. Fire away if you're ready. Hey, yeah, I definitely appreciate you putting this on. Um, appreciate the input. I was actually going to ask, do you see any team modeling what George is attempting to do with having, you know, the ability to pass rush off the edge instead of having to send those interior guys as often as we did this year? Do I see any any other teams in college football modeling that? I think that's what you were asking. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that most college football teams, if you look around, like they're lucky to have one one guy that can get to the quarterback, and that one guy usually is coming off of the edge. Uh, for Georgia in 2021, they just so happened to to have a lot of those guys in the middle. They had Jalen Carters and Devontae Wyatt's and Jordan Davis's that – that were really disruptive. And then especially after Adam Anderson went down, it seemed like the best pass rushers that Georgia had uh, at the linebacker position were inside linebackers. And that's why you saw Quay Walker and Nicobe Dean playing at the, the edge outside linebacker spot in a lot of different junctions in in the college football playoff and and really the last month of the season after a lot of those guys went down so uh i I think that you know yeah i I think georgia's blessed in a way that a lot of teams aren't because they they're able to get those freakish guys that are big enough to eat up blocks on the inside and athletic enough to get to the quarterback and to get around guards and centers um and i mean you, you see georgia you go back and watch tape of the season, like they're moving guys around all the time. Uh, you know, Jalen Carter will line up at end on plenty of instances. Uh, you know, I, you'll, you'll continue to see that, but like guys like Marvin Jones jr. You know, he's, he's a true prototypical edge, uh, Carlton Madden, Darius Smith, some of these guys that are, that are coming in in this class. I think that Georgia has an opportunity to, to develop, guys that are a little more of like that that Von Miller or Miles Garrett type of prototypical pass rusher that they're just so long and quick off the edge that a, a tackle rarely has a chance to get their hands on them. So hope hope that I answered your question. Uh you were breaking up a little bit. Josh, I see you've you've joined us. How's it going tonight? Oh good brother. Uh so couple guys lined up in the youtube chat um i think you kind of touched on unruly simeon which is uh is in our second youtube chat which is kind of cool but he was asking about andrew paul uh and asking if you see any touches from him uh next year and he kind of came on late kind of came on the uh uh our recruiting sort of bulletin our recruiting board very late and also emory johnson um wanted to know if um there was some uh, O-linemen that will play – what's our O-line look like to maybe take some pressure off uh, Bennett and whatever quarterback is under center next year? So uh, those those guys, Emory Johnson and Unruly Simeon, are on the YouTube chat. So thanks for checking us out. Yeah, guys, thanks for joining us on the YouTube chat. Josh, thanks for getting us on YouTube. 
Um, oh yeah, one one more, and also obviously the D line man. Who's gonna who's gonna be the number two you know guy behind Jalen Carter? So maybe touch on a couple of those as you, as you go through these. And uh, I know those were three quick questions that are all could spend fifteen minutes on, but those are the guys that are uh, checking us out. No, that's great. Thank you, and thank you guys for checking us out on YouTube or or on here on Spaces. Um, trying to make this kind of a regular thing in the off season to have some fun. Um, there really isn't an off season with, with college football anymore at this point, but yeah, with, uh, with the Andrew Paul question, first and foremost, I, I, I mean, his, he ran for like 800 yards last year and then he, he runs for like 2,700 his senior year on over nine yards per a carry. So the, I think the level of competition that he was playing against is a question. He's a Texas kid. So, I mean, that, that that is to his credit, but I think smaller kind of private school ball, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but, yeah, you're, you're right. Like, Georgia kind of won out on the end there despite offering him a scholarship really late in the process. Uh, you know, I don't think that there was a ton of contact with him really until, like, the last month, if not even less time than that. So, Rare that you see a team be able to make up that type of ground with a, a kid like that, but UGA was was able to. Um, I I I think that the way that Georgia's running back room is, and kind of the way that Georgia is built as a football team, like they're going to get some big leads in some games, and especially with the rule now that you can play in four games and still keep a red shirt. I I, I think you'll see him get some touches. I I don't know that he's going to. Like I'd be surprised if he passed Dajan Edwards on the the depth chart, or uh, or even Branson Robinson, the other the other true freshman that that they'll have in that backfield. But I mean, you know, how it works at Georgia. You got kind of the the two guys that are getting a lot of the touches, and then there's always sort of that third guy. Um, I think McIntosh and Milton are probably the the two established backs this year, and then you'll see. Uh, Robinson and Edwards end up kind of fighting for that third slot, but I would expect to see both of them. And then Paul will be uh, probably our new human victory cigar. The uh, shout outs to, to Prather or uh, what Hudson Prather, Prather Hudson. Yeah. Our, uh, our, our guy that, you know, you only saw him on the field if, if Georgia was, was really licking somebody in the fourth quarter. But um, I think you'll see Andrew Paul in some of that kind of action early. And then uh, depending on what he does with those carries, depending on how the, the rest of that room shakes out in future years, he I think he could definitely become a, a contributor, though. There's some scary good moments on his tape. Like, he has some lightning quick cuts for a guy his size. So I also would not be shocked if he ends up being a big-time back for Georgia um, in the coming years. But – First year, not not so sure. Um, oh gosh, I'm forgetting all the questions that were asked. Uh, Josh, help me out here. What was the second question from YouTube? Yeah, um, what's what's our D line look like? You know, obviously it starts with Jalen Carter, but you know, who are some of the guys that we expect or you expect to uh, step up? Yeah, so I mean, I think. First and foremost, one of the reasons that Georgia was able to re- recruit such a good D-line class is because there's such a high level of attrition going into next year that there's going to be 
opportunities to to play early, right? So, um, you know, I, I do think that Georgia is kind of in a situation where they probably are going to be relying on some guys that we haven't seen before. Jalen Carter, uh, like you were just saying, or like the, the guy who was asking the question was saying, definitely the, you know, he's the freak. Like, you know, he's the first round draft pick. I'm not sure there's another one of those in this room right now, but I do think that you're going to see some of these young guys, uh, Tyrion Ingram Dawkins guy who, you know, ended up being a, I think a five-star on some services at the end of last year. And then, you know, gets hurt in practice and George is not really able to, actually did a little bit of research on this. And, yeah, Ingram Dawkins is the one that's kind of like he was a high four-star. Uh, I had him at a high four-star, according to 247. Um, and, you know, he – and I tried to look at what – in 2020, what snaps in terms of the number of snaps that they got in 20 and jumped into 20 and 21, you know. And it was kind of – 20 was a special year, you know, special conditions thanks to COVID, you know. And, I mean, and actually Jordan Davis didn't get as many snaps. But, you know, we, we talked about Devonta Wyatt kind of held it down in 20 – and now he's having a great senior bowl. Uh, and Jalen Carter is definitely getting – has been getting looks the whole time. So Ingram Dawkins is kind of the one guy that is under the radar. And then uh, Nazir Stackhouse, I mean, do you think there's there's going to be some chances for him to to secure a spot? Or, or are we going to be seeing possibly uh, some guys that – some true freshmen get in there? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think Stackhouse is a guy that, like, you know, George is always going to rotate a ton of guys up front. So he's – He's going to get some burn, but I think you're more likely to see, uh, you know, like Chaz Chambliss coming off the edge. You know, I would expect to see some of that on, you know, kind of that outside linebacker position. And then on the interior, Zion Logue, uh, Brinson, you know, Brinson got a good bit of run last year. Yeah, both Logue and Brinson, you know, Logue had 200 snaps and Brinson had 130 um, you know, and decent, you know, like, you know, they were obviously, you know, Brinson actually had a 66, you know, defensive grade for PFS. So that's pretty good for his, uh, you know, for a guy that's coming up in, in a lot of passing downs and, and, you know, not playing the key downs and stuff. So there, maybe Brinson's a guy that joins him. Yeah. I mean, I truthfully, I think that Michael Williams is going to be so good that he's going to force his way into that lineup quickly and forces you know force himself to to be on the field a lot just because he's 265 but he could be you know 290 really quick and I think keep a lot of that explosiveness and speed and you know I think he's probably the closest thing that that George is going to have to another Jalen Carter in 2022 um he can shoot those gaps and he's got a a pretty scary first step and can time it up but I, I think that Georgia you know it's probably going to become more like a your average college or pro football team for that matter in 2022 in the sense that a lot of their pressure is going to have to come from the edges or from the linebacker positions. Um, so be interesting to shake out, but yeah, right now it kind of does feel like Josh, you know, you got all, all these guys in here and a lot of them have gotten, you know, some, some snaps and some of them have played snaps in, in big moments and big games, but none of them have really like stood out as being extremely 
disruptive. Um, I do think that, you know, Stackhouse and, and Logue and some of those guys we're talking about, like another year in the in the program, more reps at practice, all that stuff is going to benefit them and and they could turn into to studs. But, I, I you know, Bear Alexander, uh, Mike Hill Williams, Marvin Jones Jr., I know those are all true freshmen and I, I highly doubt that all of them are going to contribute, but I'd be pretty surprised if one of them wasn't, you know, creating some havoc plays just because that's kind of what happens when you sign – three five-star caliber defensive linemen, you know. Um, I mean, we saw Trevon Walker and some of those guys in the past that were that were highly rated like that, maybe not come in and play every down right off the snap, but but come in and, and play some significant snaps and create some havoc early, and you saw flashes of it their freshman year. We got – oh, uh, World – Series champ, D.A. Drew Aspinwall. Looks like you have a question. If any of you guys have questions, uh, jump in here and we'll we'll add you into the chat. Um, Drew, you are on whenever you're ready to chat. Hey, Graham. Uh, big fan. Go dogs, man. Um, not really. Thank not, you. Not really a quick question. Just want to talk to y'all. Um, I got a lot of Auburn buddies. They annoy the shit out of me. I. Uh, I, I find it hysterical that they say they're a basketball school now. Um, I think that's just a cover up for how their football program's going to shit. Um, so, anyway, just want any thoughts on that. Also, I think we're pulling off the big upset Saturday. Go dogs! Oh man, that would uh, that would be hilarious if Tom Kareen is like goes out his last year and, you know, just beats Alabama and Auburn. And there's loses. no chance. <laughs> there was no chance he was going to beat out. They were going to beat Alabama. Either. There uh, was a chance he was going to beat out. Auburn, Auburn is the number one team in the country. They're, they're not going to take all, uh, Georgia lightly. Uh, I don't know if Alabama took them lightly, but Alabama was, you know, they've had, they've been struggling. Everyone I, I, takes Georgia lightly. These days. Yeah, yeah. Arkansas did it to a tune of a twenty-six point victory last night. I mean, I would love to see it. Uh, no, I mean, I I've stopped watching Georgia basketball, which I'm somebody that like I I've watched an oppressing amount of Georgia basketball over the last decade. I mean, my wife literally like at, early this year when they were in non-conference play, I turned on a game one night, and my wife was just like, "Why do you watch this? You know, it's just going to make you depressed." And I was like, "That's a really good point." So, um. No, yeah. but to, to Drew's point, though, it is – I mean, Barners are barn – going to barn. Dude, it is it is obnoxious. Now, I get it that Twitter is a small, very small sample size of any fan base. Right. Um, and, but it, it is – and I've got Auburn friends, and they're they're happy and proud, mostly civil about it. But it, it is quite obnoxious, the amount of – embracing of this of this basketball like they've been there the whole time and they're they like their shit doesn't stink and it's it is obnoxious and i i i'm going to hope that it ends poorly for them is all i can say about that man i mean uh, yeah it probably will you know your expectations are to win the national title at that point but no i i think you look at Auburn football, it's it's a mess right now. I mean, my favorite stat of the offseason so far is that Brian Harson's career at Auburn, to this point, he's had five coordinators and six wins. That's 
that's something that I can't remember happening at an SEC program, even Vanderbilt, uh, in a coach's tenure. So, I mean, he must be a nightmare to work for and work with when guys are, you know, leaving, leaving jobs with pro teams, spending two or three weeks there, and they're seeing something that they're saying either, you know, this isn't healthy for me on a personal level or they're saying – this is probably going to hurt my career to be part of this. Um, so I, I think that, you know, it, it, it does not look good for them in 2022. I know Zach Calzada transferred there, but a large part of why he did was, was Austin Davis being hired as the coordinator from Seattle. And now he's gone. So it's, it's going to probably get worse before it gets better. I t- could totally see Auburn being like the USC of, last year in the sense that uh, they go into the season, we all know they're going to fire their head coach. They 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 go through the offseason with them anyways. They get three weeks into the season and they fire them, and then the rest of the year is just like this kind of weird, lame duck effort. Um, but, you know, they still took Alabama to overtime. So <laughs> I guess there's still some <laughs> that, talent I, on that roster somewhere. Or, no, I mean, it's an um, SEC roster. They're going to sneak up and beat somebody. You know, I mean, it's like – Unless the team has just completely laid down. Totally. Uh, no, I which, agree with that. I mean, like, that's a school that, I don't know, even like even when they're bad, they always upset somebody. And, um, I mean, they had the 0-8 SEC year and Gene Chizik's last season, but I don't think that it's going to be quite that bad. I mean, they, they've got better players on that roster than, than the Chizik roster had. So, I, I think that what's ironic – about the whole Auburn basketball thing though is like it's proof for anybody that wants to sit there and be like oh Georgia you know is never going to have a big basketball program or or any of that like Auburn's arena holds 1200 less people than Georgia's uh and they're further from Atlanta than Georgia like if they can recruit those guys and create that environment don't you think Georgia can uh yes I mean, because, I mean, Georgia and Auburn are absolutely recruiting the same players. There's no player that's going to choose uh, Auburn over Georgia. And I mean, the, Auburn doesn't bring anything. It's not like you're recruiting against North Carolina or Duke or, hell, Gonzaga at this point. I mean, the same things that Auburn offers is the same things that Georgia should be able to offer. So, yeah, absolutely, Georgia can get it rolling. I don't know to what degree and where. You know, the name, name, image, and likeness will certainly affect how Georgia is going to build its program, but it's ridiculous at the ineptitude of of, of what Georgia has <laughs> basketball has become. And uh, that's unless you want me to, I could do my own spaces on this as you guys know. But <laughs> well, I mean, I think with Georgia, it's like they brought in you know uh, a really good recruiting class. I think they had five of the top you know one hundred kids or something like that. Greens first full recruiting class and then very quickly you know that that turns around and some of those guys are in the portal Anthony Edwards is the number one overall pick but you know the rest of them are gone um and then yeah yeah it's just been a disaster ever since so it's like you know I said this on a spaces with Craig last night and I was like you know some people are on get things right, you know, whether it's buying Apple stock, buying Netflix, buying Amazon. The one thing in my life I'm going to be right about is I knew that Tom Crean wasn't a good fit. And all that's got me is like a 14 and 65 record in the SEC. So no, not getting rich off that, but Hey, at least I was right about something in this world 
before anybody else was. There That's you all. go. Maybe one day you can find out a short coaching stocks. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we've got uh, West Barnwell, uh, five star sports. Looks like you have a question, so bring you into the chat whenever you're ready. Hey, yeah, thanks. Um, appreciate the time here, Graham. Um, I was curious, Absolutely. switching gears over to football. What do you think the likelihood of Darnell staying with the program, you know, up until the season or through the season is at this point? I think it's good. I think it's better than a lot of people, you know, have maybe speculated. Um, I mean, he he's there now. He's locked in through the spring. Like, he – you know, he's in classes and all that. So, um, and he, you know, he hasn't finished his degree yet. So he's not going anywhere right now. They've got spring practice to, to kind of sell him on the vision of how they want to use him in this offense. I think the best thing that Georgia can do, uh, to help maybe his desire to stay there is to have a strong offensive line next year, right? Like they needed him to help out yeah. in, in pass protection in a lot of situations last year. And, and I think that, you know, you've got uh, McClendon coming back at right tackle, which is great. Uh, you know, Sawyer moves on, but Broderick Jones showed enough good stuff at left tackle that I think you feel good about what he can do there. Um, SVP at center was, was very impressive. I think for a, a, a redshirt freshman in his first year of, of really playing at all, but now it's, you know, what do you do about that guard position? Um, Cause that was, that was kind of the Achilles of that whole, that whole offense last year. And it kept them from being able to run the ball consistently up the middle, even against Missouri, you know? Um, so looking at that, I think Erickson is back. Um, you know, Schaefer is, is moved on, but I mean, look, look like, I know Erickson was was hurt and gimpy on that right ankle in the national title game, so I'm not I'm not trying to pick on the, the the guy, but like look at the third and fourth quarter of that game and how different Georgia's interior running game looked from how it had looked all season with Sawyer playing right guard. Uh, it was dramatic, you know. You saw holes there that you had not seen all year, and we had called for that switch on our show since you know, mid-September, I think Josh and I had, um, and it finally happened in, you know, the last three quarters of the season. But I, I think that that's the question, right? And you got to figure out how to to keep Amarius Mims on campus. So, you know, maybe they give him a shot at guard. It'll be really interesting to see kind of what lineup they, they come out with on G-Day. But I do think that that's a, a huge, huge kind of, hinge point for the answer on yeah. Darnell. But but I, I think the thing that a lot of people forget about Darnell is like he's a 280-pound man who had a, a a fracture in his foot. And that's a hard injury for a big guy to recover from. So you saw him run some routes at times, but you you never really saw him this season just even when he's was running routes, you know, on air or, or running routes that he wasn't targeted on uh, look quite as explosive and quite as quick through some of his cuts, top of his routes. So I think part of that is him getting healthy and, you know, them being able to, to flex him out a little bit and putting him out. I, I think that Jermaine Burton leaving maybe opens up some opportunities. Like 
they played him at that Z receiver position at, at points his freshman year. I mean, he had a mm-hmm. pretty big catch against Kentucky and some balls against Missouri when he was lined up out wide. So I think he's a weapon and they'll find ways to use him. But um, he's – it is tough when you – if you were sitting down and you were the kid's agent and you were being honest with him, you could say, dude, if you became uh, – if you decided to become an offensive tackle tomorrow, I can make you a, a top ten overall NFL draft pick. And 100%. Yeah, yeah. So it's hard, but uh, I I do think that you know they've got this window to kind of convince him that another season in Athens is the right thing, and he's such a good athlete that he's gonna stick. I mean, like he's gonna get a shot at the next level and all that. But I also understand, you know, I'm sure he wants the the opportunity to to flash those skills and be a you know be a high round draft pick and get that guaranteed money on the rookie contract. Yeah, and yeah, I, I don't mean to monopolize here, but that just it no, you're fine. It makes me think a little bit more about what you see or what you've seen Alabama or Clemson or Ohio State do in the past few years when they've had these third and fourth quarter commanding leads is still keep the offense open, get the ball, you know, spread the ball to some of the playmakers, let some of these guys both get experience, but also get some of the shine that they're looking for. And we still haven't seen Kirby necessarily do that. I'm not saying Darnell would have gotten those looks because he wasn't healthy, but I'm just curious your thoughts on that. If you think that we do see that this year, or you have rationale why we might not be doing that. Yeah, I, I, no, it's a good point. I mean, I've, I feel like there was a point every Saturday for a while where, you know, I had, I saw people tweeting about that or, you know, kind of upset about that. And, and I get the, the rationale. Uh, I definitely think that, Part of that, I, I think that always gets put on Kirby, and that's probably not unfair entirely, but I think that some of that is on Todd Monken as well. Um, I mean, he, during his press availability, during the college football playoff, was like, you know, I don't I don't care, like, you know, who we're playing or, or whatever. It's like, mm-hmm. I want to get out with a win, you know, and, like, I want to get out healthy. So I, I do think that Georgia, you know, probably had some opportunities they didn't take advantage of to, to let some guys get some shine. But this whole narrative has popped up since Jermaine Burton hit the portal of like, you know, thousand yard receivers and all that. And I mean, at the same time, it's like you have people that are also upset that Darnell Washington didn't get more targets this year when the leading receiver was a tight end who had 800 yards, you know, and it's mm-hmm. like, well, well, you know, how, there's some, there's only so many balls to go around. Right. Um, and I, I do think some of that is just like structure of the offense. It's it's still a run first team, but uh, I you know I, I think we probably could prognosticate that a little bit cleaner if we knew for sure right now who the offensive coordinator will be next year. Because I I do think there's a chance that that Todd Monken moves on to the NFL, and then it could be Faulkner, it could be you know someone else, and it could be Bobo, it could be someone from outside. Um, you know, I don't want to speculate yeah. on that too hard right now, but I, I think that Georgia, you know, that might be something they take a look at, especially in the portal era. And I, I mean, I, I kind of started the spaces. I don't know if you were in here talking about some of the recent hires, at least to me, indicate a little bit uh, that Kirby Smart recognizes the need to keep some of these kids happy and to to maintain mm-hmm. these relationships through that de-recruitment process, which can be really, really hard. But, uh, I mean, you look at the two guys that left, it's like 
Kimber was out for basically the entire season with a shoulder surgery. Burton was never fully healthy at all this year. Um, you know, and then because he's hurt, Lad McConkey has to play outside receiver against Auburn and he, you know, burns their number two DB twice on double moves for, <laughs> yeah. for touchdowns. And then how do you take him off the field? So it's like some of this is uh, a little bit of, you know, if you get injured at a place like Georgia, there's enough good players on the roster that you might not, you might not get your spot back or you might not get all of your reps back or however you want to phrase that. But um, I think it'll be very fascinating to see how that all plays out because you know, there's going to be a lot of narratives around it and there's going to be a lot of angst probably around it in the fan base. Um, But I mean, it was a little humorous to me to watch everybody like melt down about that like a week after a national mm-hmm. title. <laughs> I, I certainly – I'm cheering for Washington. I'm a big fan of him. I mean, I just love to see the national recruits. You know, he came out of Vegas, I believe, right? Um, and and it's like – or maybe he signed in Las Vegas out there. No, he was out of Vegas. He's out of Vegas, right. And it's just I love to see Georgia become a national <laughs> team like this. So I'm cheering for that for a lot of reasons. I like the kid, and he's obviously a pretty special athlete. But if Kirby can keep him, that might be his best recruiting haul of the entire offseason. Um, you know, and and I just think that, you know, you look at, oh, look at all these players coming in. But it's like, dude, the guys that are coming back are critical. And when we left the 2019 uh, SEC championship and we had no receivers really to speak of, and, and Kirby spoke to those, to have uh, Oscar Delp coming in, the, you know, an all-SE, all, you know, all-American tight end freshman Darnell Washington and all these guys that are now here that are competing for playing time. That's, that's a hell of a turnaround from where we were, uh, where we were just plugging in guys wherever we could to actually having more bodies and we have balls to throw to them. So, uh, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm really hoping that Washington plays, but I completely understand you got to make business decisions. So, yeah. And I mean, I think, you know, it's, it is interesting to watch, we we saw kind of some of the narratives pop up around like, well, of course Burton left because he needs to have you know these numbers to to be a first round draft pick or or whatever. And and don't get me wrong, there's a hundred percent truth to that. Like you got to put stuff on film, and I'm not not discounting that. And it's his career, right? Like he's got a right to do whatever he wants at the end of the day. Um, but at the same time, it's like George Pickens played in three games this season, and uh, he's on he's in the first round of everyone's mock draft right now we saw oj howard basically disappear at alabama for for two seasons and then pop up in the college football playoff and become a first round draft pick so i mean somebody like a guy like darnell is such a good athlete and so kind of freakish freakishly built that the nfl draft i mean josh you're fond of saying it's an event for outliers and and it's a very true statement and i mean it's also the truth that like that guy, Darnell Washington, is 100% an outlier in terms of the the physical specimen that he is. There's not six, seven dudes that weigh 280 pounds and run and cut like that walking around on planet Earth. Um, so he's kind of a guy that I think just because of his physical gifts, he's going to gonna go somewhere, you know, highly in the, in the draft no matter what. But um, I, I think that Georgia will – you know, you saw him get utilized a lot in the receiving game at the end of his freshman year. I mean, he was pretty – he had some some big 
catches against Cincinnati in that Peach Bowl, and you know he was kind of starting to come on, and it felt like he was a. I think he would have had a huge first game against Clemson because that defense was uniquely kind of suited to being attacked with tight ends. So I, I feel like it's kind of just the whole year started out, unfortunately, with him for that injury. And, you know, instead of talking about um, whether or not he's staying right now, we might be talking about, you know, him and Brock Bowers being the greatest tight end duo in college football history or something, you know, <laughs> along those lines. So it'll be oh. interesting for sure. I got an update on my Auburn Barner friends that just – Texted me and said Branson Robin committed Branson Robinson committed to Georgia. They just said, "Oh yeah, we're going to stay at basketball school for a while." So uh, we're we're definitely uh, rent free in some of the uh, Barner's uh, football brains. Real quick on these uh, these recruits that we talked about, I think this year more than ever, at least in the past couple months, I've heard Kirby talk about the character of the recruits, and he's you know he obviously had his through line of connection and resilience kind of the values that he set for the team i don't know if i've seen a better pure marketer as a head coach than kirby i he obviously picked up some stuff from saban but just curious y'all's thoughts on that i think he he just handles his messaging so consistently throughout the season throughout the years yeah i wrote an article i think maybe a year ago that was it was basically the premise of it is just that like Kirby Smart is a, a PR master, so to speak. Um, whenever Georgia's, you know, gets beat on a on a big recruit that people are anticipating, without fail, you see some guy that's been a silent commit go ahead and announce. Like you always see him do a good job of keeping his program in the limelight and keeping positive headlines flowing, and you know, keeping pieces of news out there so that. Georgia is always on the the forefront of the mind of anyone that that follows college football. And that's definitely a skill and it's something that's very intentional. And I think it kind of speaks to uh, sort of the era that he grew up in versus some coaches that are, that are maybe a little bit older and didn't, you know, come of age as the internet did. But um, as far as this class goes, I mean, I, I think if you're any coach, I mean, like, you, you know you have to have talented players, right? And so not everyone gets maybe these luxuries that, that Kirby does. But at the end of the day, I think you have to look at the portal era and say, like, man, I, I'm i going to recruit kids that want to be at Georgia, not just for football reasons, but for, for academic reasons, for, you know, for family reasons, for social reasons, whatever it might be that's drawing them to that place because – you know, you're going to have bad days at football practice. You you know, you're going to have times where maybe you're dinged up or maybe there's a guy in front of you getting reps that you think you deserve. And um, it's all those other things that that someone, you know, loves about being at a place that, that helps them kind of weather those storms. And so, yeah, I, I mean, I think maybe that has become – a bigger part of the evaluation process for for UGA since since the portal came into existence because you don't want to be turning over eight guys on your roster every offseason that you were counting on being upperclassmen and you know leaders on your team or or key depth or or whatever so yeah it, it's a different time though because i mean like you you have to recruit 100 you know 
every day of the year at this point. You're always recruiting the guys that are that are on your roster plus the the next crop that's coming up out of high school. So I think that if you're a guy like Kirby Smart or you know you're the Georgia program like whether that's Trey Scott or Matt Luke or you know Del McGee, uh, making sure the guys in your room are guys that you that you like being around and they're going to like being around you and that you're going to be able to keep that relationship with is, is a big part of being able to, to kind of level up, you know, cause I mean, you look at teams in college football, it's like Alabama is able to kind of be the exception to this rule or they have been for a while, but like with the talent that Georgia has, you know, experience is kind of the only thing that's, that's ever, keeping them from from being in contention for a playoff spot or a national title. Hey, update. Hawks are winning by nine at home versus Phoenix. Let's go, Hawks. Nice. Well, update on my end. Uh, dinner is ready at the coffee household. So I am I'm going to get off. Um, Josh, if you want to stay on, I can make you the uh, – Oh, actually, no, I can't. Never mind. Don't um, worry about it. We'll wrap it up, and we'll just do it. We'll do it again ASAP. Yeah, that's all. Awesome. No, we're gonna do these at least a couple times a week, if not more, throughout the off season. And uh, hope you guys will hang out with us. Appreciate all of you that that jumped in here with us this evening. Um, thank you guys for engaging with our stuff and watching us on YouTube. Uh, please check out the Dog Sports Live YouTube channel and podcast feed, and. Uh, I know that Josh will have these these recorded spaces going up in both those places. Um, definitely go and give Josh a follow on Twitter if you're not already at dog underscore stats. Uh, best best analytics follow and best Tom Crean snark follow in all of the Georgia football. Not in that order. Not in that order. I, I Tom <laughs> Tom Tom Cream's it is definitely Tom Crean snark season. So. Um, yeah. I mean, I kid. It's it, uh, we all want to see Georgia do well in every sport, and Tom Crean's low hanging fruit, and um, it's it's where we are. So let's have, let's have some fun with it, for sure. Yeah, no, 